This is the Responsible Sports Podcast, presented by Liberty Mutual. Episode number six, Doc Rivers. Responsible Sports is a program dedicated to supporting coaches and parents who help our children succeed on and off the field. Each episode, our host, Jim Thompson, Executive Director of Positive Coaching Alliance, will be joined by some of the most influential players and coaches to share their thoughts and experiences with responsible coaching and responsible sports parenting. In this episode, Jim catches up with NBA Celtics head coach Doc Rivers right after practice and the two discuss how to keep players' emotional tanks full. And really, for me, I really try to keep them in a positive uh, way. And, and what I mean by that, what I, I try to do is stay away from any of their faults, uh, any of the things that they can't do. I, I try to never ask any of my players uh, to do something that, that they can't do. Doc shares his strategies for coaching positively from the sidelines, how to involve both starters and bench players, how players can fill each other's emotional tanks, and he even shares some of his techniques used in pregame and halftime chalk talks. Funding for this program has been generously provided by Liberty Mutual. Responsibility. What's your policy? Doc, first let me introduce you to our audience, although uh, everybody knows you as the head coach of the Boston Celtics. Doc Rivers was born and grew up in Chicago, graduated from Marquette University. He was drafted in the 1983 draft and started his playing career at Atlanta, uh, went on to play with the Clippers, the New York Knicks, and the San Antonio Spurs. His first year as an NBA head coach came in 1999 when he debuted with the Orlando Magic and won Coach of the Year honors that year and guided the Magic to the playoffs the next three years. In 2004, he took over as head coach of the Celtics, winning an NBA title in 2008. Doc is also a sports parent who has four children participating in sports at the high school and college level. Doc Rivers, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. So, Doc, uh, there's a study that looked at professional sports teams and and found that the home team wins about 60% of the time. Any thoughts on why that is? Well, I just think it's your comfort zone. Uh, I think that's a, a lot of it. Um, I think when both teams are evenly matched, you know, any edge you can get uh, helps prevail. You know, I, I think it's also a positive environment uh, and the fact that uh, you're in your comfort zone, you're around your own fans, uh, they're cheering for you. And um, I think on if you look at the home record and the home statistics, it's usually – the role players who play better at home. I think the stars play well anywhere. That's because they have that great confidence system uh, inside of them. Uh, it's the role players who tend, especially in the playoffs, who, who play and perform much better when they're comfortable and, and when they're in their home environment. Wow, that's a pretty interesting insight. Uh, you know, we talk about responsible coaches uh, keeping uh, players' emotional tanks full. Uh, and we actually talk about a portable home team advantage that if you're filling the kids emotional tank and they're filling each other's tanks, uh, they can play like they're playing in front of a a home, uh, home crowd, wherever they play. Do you think that idea of emotional tank has application at the NBA level? Oh yeah. You know, um, it's funny. I think on the outside, people think that 
<clears throat> the NBA players and, and the pro players in general don't have uh, a play with great intensity. And in fact, they do. And I think college players find that out more when they get to our level. They're they're shocked at the level of intensity that it's much higher than they've ever played. You know, we talk about it all the time. Playing hard is not an excuse not to play smart. You know, playing hard and smart. Uh, well, the same thing goes for you know filling that emotional tank and having the confidence. Um, you know, you got to have the proper confidence. So you can't it can't be a false bravado uh, that only lasts for a certain amount of time, and, and then uh, the real emotion uh, and the concentration has to come in. You spend your time on the road uh, building up your role players, you know, telling them how great they are and how great they're going to play. And, and really, for me, I really try to keep them in a positive uh, way. And, and what I mean by that, what I, I try to do is stay away from any of their faults, uh, any of the things that they can't do. I, I try to never ask any of my players uh, to do something that, that they can't do. But on the road, you're really focused on that with your role players because if you can keep them in what they do well, uh, then they have a chance to perform well on the road. You know, I read a, a study recently that said that when you focus on uh, – this is with kids, but I think it works with adults too. When you focus on kids' uh, shortcomings – versus fo focusing on their strengths, you actually get different bra brainwave activity. You get more positive brainwave activity with people when you focus on their strengths. Well, there's no doubt that positive reinforcement is better than negative reinforcement. And, and even when I get on a player, and I do, <clears throat> I try to remind them later, uh, and even at the time, that if I'm screaming at you or if I'm getting on you, it's, it's never personal. And I'm not trying to do it to intimidate you to do something well. Uh, I'm trying to coach you to make you better. And there's a difference, you know, between uh, a, a, a coach who, to me, in my opinion, who yells at players. And then there's a, uh, uh, you know, I call it instructing loudly. But in a positive, you know, I could tell a player one thing loud. Uh, and sometimes you have no choice because of the environment you're in. It's it's a, a hostile crowd. The, 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 it's noisy. Uh, but, but what I mean is the words you say have to be positive. You know, if I, an example said, uh, Glenn Davis, what are you doing? Um, that's stupid. Uh, that's negative. If I say, Glenn Davis, what are you doing? You're better than that. You can do better than that. That's positive. I'm trying to tell him that he's a better player than what he's doing. And I think you have to be very careful uh, when you do, you know, quote unquote, get loud. Uh, make sure that message is a positive message. You know, I think what you're demonstrating there is you can, uh, coaches need to have hard conversations with players, but you can have that hard conversation in a way that fills their tank or drains their tank. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, you'll see me at times yelling, you can do this. You're good enough to do this. Uh, you're ready for this. Uh, and, and I'm yelling it. And so somebody sitting up in the, in the middle of the crowd is thinking, man, he's really getting on Rondo. And what I'm really telling Rondo is extremely positive. Come on, Rondo, focus. You can do this. Uh, and that's where I think when you're having one of those difficult conversations, uh, you got to try to end it with positive. Yeah. So right now, so far we've been talking about verbal. How do you think a, a coach's body language on a sideline impacts players? In their oh, it's, it's huge. It's huge. You know, some of the players, 
it has no impact, you know. And, and again, I always go with the players with just the, the extreme confidence. Uh, but you can send a message without saying a word. I do it. Uh, I can send a, a negative message, message at times, and I work on not doing it, and I do it. I mean, I'm guilty of that. So uh, that's something that we're talking about that I absolutely work on. I actually have watched tapes. Uh, I've had um, – a camera watched me for two straight games, and I, I instructed the camera to watch me, and I just wanted that footage um, with the minutes on it. And then I wanted another footage of the game, and I put the two together and had a split screen. And I wanted to watch my body language because I think it's that important. Uh, when things are going bad for a player or your team, uh, the most important time is to show confidence. You know, I think one of the coach's faults, and I do this and I try to not do it, uh, it, it is said a negative body uh, position is folded arms standing up. Uh, and you, we all do that. And so those are things that I try not to do. You know, we have a, a concept we teach both coaches and athletes, a teachable spirit, continuous improvement. And what you're, what you're modeling right there is coaches at the highest level, uh, you know, you, you got to get better. No, we're all improving. I mean, I, I tell my players that every day. I have a, a saying to them. I say, I'll never coach you to who you are today. I'll coach you to what we think you should be someday. And and that's, you know, it, it's funny. We're talking about this right now. I just had a talk with one of my really good players uh, on the team. And, and he said, boy, you've been really pushing me. And I said, yeah, um, you're not where you should be yet. Uh, you're going to get there. Uh, but you don't want me to coach you to where you're at today, do you? You know, and, you know, I, I think that's really important uh, that players, coaches, we all settle at times. And, you know, the book Good to Great is a great example. Good is the enemy of great because you settle. And um, as a, a coach, you can't settle. And as a player, you can't settle. Um, you know, injuries are uh, a big issue in professional sports because people are pushing them, their bodies and, and their minds so so hard. And you've had some some tough injuries in the past. How, how do you deal, how much time do you spend coaching players working their way back from injuries and how do you keep their tanks full when they're, when they're not able to play yet? Well, it's very difficult, you know, uh, especially in our league because there's game after game and you're moving on, you're traveling. Uh, and that player's trying to work back. And a lot of times it's, it's, a, it's a lonely thing because when he's working, we're gone. You know, a lot of times we leave those guys back on the road so they can do their rehab and, and you feel like you've been uh, torn apart from your team. And one of the things I do when they're with our team uh, traveling to get healthy is I try to involve them uh, in team decisions. Uh, I try to involve them even in our practice. You know, last year when Kevin was out, uh, we actually had him charting things as a, as a, like he was a coach. You know, and I thought that allowed him to feel like he was still part of the team uh, because you are part of the team. Well, that's great. Um, you know, it seems like when you get a, a, a team of people who are filling each other's tanks, uh, so it doesn't always have to be the coaches that you really have a team going somewhere. Um, do you know players either in the Celtics or that you've had in other teams or people you worked with, uh, played with, who are really good at, at filling their teammates. Yeah, there's a lot of them. And, and, you know, you're hitting on something that I I think is really important as well. Um, You know, players policing players. Um, 
you know, it, it's great if, 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 let's say, I give a great halftime talk or pregame talk, and, uh, you know, even before practice, the coaches, and it doesn't have to be the head coach, any coach, uh, saying positive stuff to get the guys up. That There's an impact there. Um, you know, whether it's short-lived or not, I would, you know, it, it is an impact. But when you have teammates doing it, uh, when there's teammates who other teammates can trust, uh, they know he has great character, and they know everything he does is for the team. Uh, you, you can't beat that. Uh, Kevin Garnett uh, is one of those guys. Cool. Um, do you ever have? Do you have any drills you do at practice at, at times when you feel like players' energies are low? Well, today we had a quiet drill. You know, we had a half-hour stretch when there could be no talking. Um, and I did it because I thought our energy was low, and I was trying to show the point how important being verbal and uh, is in practice and being loud in practice. And it was amazing right after we finished the little half hour. Um, and I said, okay, now let's go back to our normal way, how loud the practice got and how the energy uh, uh, picked up. But the, the best part when you're having a low tank day in practice is you got to do something with the winner and the loser involved. Uh, you got to make it competitive. Uh, that's what we do. That's what players do. Uh, they're competitive by nature. And I think if you're having a low day, uh, especially with energy, uh, you can always pick your practice up. Uh, it can be a shooting game. It can be a regular game. But you have to do something where there's a winner and a loser at stake. Oh, that's great. You know, uh, post you, you talked about halftime and pregame talks. Postgame talks can be a, a, a powerful place where you can fill or drain tanks. Uh, do you have a regular way you handle the, yeah, I, the I, game? Yeah, I do. I think postgame talks are, are have to be short. Uh, and I think for the most part, you have to be careful. I think it's the most sensitive time of the night. Um, I think players are open and willing before the game. I think they're that way at halftime, obviously. After the game, you have to be careful because I think that's when their emotions are as high as they ever will be. And um, a lot of times, and I've learned from trial and error, obviously, is that you have to be careful. You have to be really careful after games uh, because you're emotional. And usually um, I give them about five minutes with nobody else in the locker room but the players because maybe they can talk if there's something that needs to be said. Then I walk in, and I literally don't go more than a minute or two minutes uh, if we've lost it's usually, hey guys, you know, a lot of things uh, didn't go well. We got to build. We got to keep working. Um, let's get together tomorrow. Um, and then you tend to have calmed down uh, that next day. And even after watching the film, I think you do a much better job. Yeah, that's great. Mistakes tend to lead to green tanks. tanks. Um, how, do how do you handle, you handle when, when players, players make mistakes, mistakes in practice? practice? Uh, play for it. You know, we, we talk about it all the time. Uh, the only time, and I say this to my players all the time, I actually said it 10 times a day to one guy, I'm never going to get upset at you about a mistake. I'm going to get upset at you for making the next mistake because you're still thinking about the last mistake. We move on. We move on. Life moves on. Life never stops, and we never stop. We just keep playing and uh, play through your mistakes. We, we talk about that all the time uh, as a group. That, that's a great concept. We teach uh, coaches to flush mistakes. They make a flushing motion. A kid looks at the coach and 
Uh, it's really, I like that idea, play it forward, play through your mistakes. Yeah, you, you have to because uh, you can't play in a rearview mirror. Uh, what's happened, whether it's good or bad, actually, uh, you have to be careful with the good. We had a rookie uh, in one of our preseason games who made a jump shot, and he ran back in his little home run jog, you know, kind of trying to be cool. And uh, I, the opposing team got the ball inbounds. His guy ran right by him and scored a, a bucket. And so I called a timeout, and the kid obviously was was mortified because our number one thing is transition D. And instead of making that a, a negative moment, because I knew that he knew what he did wrong, uh, I had all the team come into the huddle. I told everybody to get really tight and, and clap and start applause and give, give him applause that he scored. And uh, I say, hey, uh, you know, the guy scored. Let's give him a hand. And everybody started clapping. Everybody started laughing. Uh, the message was sent. Uh, but we did it through, through sarcasm and through laughter. And, and right after the game, he walked in, Coach, I'm sorry, I'll never do that again. But he didn't feel bad about himself when he went back out on the floor. Wow, that's, that's like the perfect example of a teachable moment. Yeah, it was it was it was the right timing. The timeout was coming anyway, and I just thought, wow, this is a good moment to teach him a great lesson, but not beat him down because he was embarrassed by what had happened. Yeah, that's great. Of the players you coached, who's who's been really good at bouncing back from mistakes? Oh, Kevin, uh, I think Garnett's great. Uh, you know, it, it typically is your great players. Uh, I would say Paul Pierce, if I had to say one guy. Uh, is probably the best at it. Um, you know, he, he tends to never get rattled. Um, he has a he plays basketball with a poker face. Um, and, you know, you, you talked earlier about body language. Well, before I coached the Celtics, I never liked Paul's body language. I thought it, it was a negative language. It always looked like he was mad or upset. And when I took the job, I actually thought, man, does Paul like us? Does he not like being here? And then you realize that he's just a really focused guy uh, when he gets on the floor, and he doesn't show uh, expression a lot. And so you had to get used to that. Um, and then, you know, that's maybe one reason. He, he's always thinking about the game in the next moment. And I think that's why he's so uh, able to get over a bad game or, or mistakes. Uh, I tell my kids this all the time, and this is the best story I tell at all camps. There was a game that Paul was, I think it was 0 for 9, 0 for 10 at halftime, and 0 for 4 from the free throw line. Um, and at halftime, uh, we were talking, and I said, Paul, you good? And he says, oh, I'm great. Odds are on my side next half. I might go out for 50. Uh, and it's amazing how positive he I mean, he said it as a matter of fact. Well, he had 41 points in the second half. But it was funny. He literally had convinced himself that the odds were on his side, that there's no way. I'm a great player. I've, I'm already 0 for 9. It's impossible for me to miss any more shots uh, because I'm a 50% shooter. And in his mind, that's how he thought. You know, uh, you, you talk about his what you might call game face, and uh, but every once in a while he gets this beautiful smile when something when something happens. That you, you know, Jim, it's amazing when he does smile; it lights up the room. And you know, I actually told him that uh, about two years ago. I said, "Listen, I know you, your focus and, and your, your your how you play in the poker face, but every once in a while, flashing a smile is huge for our team." Without saying a word, you can give our team an amazing amount of energy. And I think he's really improved that over the last two years. Yeah, that's beautiful. You know, um, 
talk a little bit about your coaching staff and how you get your uh, assistant coaches aligned around certain principles, like like getting players up, filling their emotional tank. How, how do you do that? I delegate. You know, I think, um, you know, it's, it's really important for a head coach to do that. Um, I think a lot of us coaches think that the players can only hear their voice. Uh, and some of us are insecure with if you allow – uh, one coach to teach something, then it looks like you don't know it, uh, and it doesn't. It, it just frees you up to watch the entire team. Um, you know, I have a defensive coach, I have an offensive coach, and also I look at my players and we split them up. Uh, I give Armand Hill three players. Uh, that's the that's the non basketball part I'm talking about when I when I say I split them up. These are your three guys. You have to check on them. You have to make sure uh, emotionally they're right. Uh, they're always thinking about the team. Uh, you have to find out what's going on in their off-the-court life. Uh, and I do it with each coach. And so we have the entire team covered. One, one last question, Doc. This has been fantastic. If you could change anything about youth sports just by saying it or magic wand, whatever, what would you, what would you change about youth sports? I would uh, remove the parents. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm half joking, and I really am. Uh, you know, AAU is – I love AAU, but I think there's some tough things with AAU with the gym shoe companies and, and the power of the AAU coach, especially if the, you're, you're coaching one of these good teams. But I, I, to all who are listening, uh, and if you're parents, um, allow your coach of your kid to coach the team then you'd be a parent and a fan and, and sit up there and cheer. Um, I go to these AU games because I have kids and every single play, there's a parent standing up, Jimmy run, Johnny, uh, shoot the ball. What are you doing? That's the coach's job. Your job as a parent and our job as a parent is to build our kids back up and to give them confidence because I don't care how much you teach them. If they don't have confidence and then they don't believe that they measure up, they will not be successful. It, it can't happen. So my suggestion and my advice is not to the coaches, it's to the parents. Allow your kids to play and you be a parent. That's fantastic. The, that confidence, help them develop that confidence. That's terrific. Doc, um, I, I know you just came from practice and getting ready for the beginning of the season. I uh, want to thank you for taking the time to share with me and our responsible sports listeners your thoughts, both as a coach and a parent. Uh, great insights today. People who hear this are going to uh, really benefit from it. So I want to thank you for your time today and your strong support for the Positive Coaching Alliance. Oh, thank you, Jim. And uh, keep doing what you're doing. I think it's great for our gay. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this Doc Rivers episode of Liberty Mutual's Responsible Sports Podcast. To learn more about responsible sports, including valuable tools on how to help fill your athletes' emotional tanks, visit ResponsibleSports.com. You'll find helpful responsible sports parenting and responsible coaching guides, downloadable tools and worksheets, and advice from leading youth sports experts. Music for this podcast has been generously provided by APM Music, apmmusic.com.